if I may be honest with you, there are uh, multiple times in the events that happen in the Clark House that my wife and I often have different experiences when we are searching for things that we need to find in our house. And I'm wondering if maybe you have that same uh, experience. Uh, my wife could be looking for something and she'll say, uh, I've been looking for this for a while, have you seen this? And I'll go, oh yeah, it's, uh, it's in the laundry room and there's a pile of clothes on top of it and it's between the third and fourth shirt that's on the, on the washer. And she'll be like, what? How do you know that? I was like, oh, I saw it there a couple days ago. And then I put my clothes on top of it instead of moving it. Um, I know none of you, especially husbands, would do that. But, um, and then we kind of have the opposite effect with my wife. I will, um, I will stand in front of the refrigerator asking her where a certain said item is that she has placed in there. And I will say, it is not in here. Someone has eaten it, and it's not me, which is because that's what I'm trying to do, is eat the said item that I'm looking for, and I can't find it. And she will say, I put it in there. I know it's right here. Look behind this item. I've looked there. And she will walk into the room, and you know what will happen? Somehow, because of some witchcraft or wizardry that she has, it has appeared after I have closed the door, and she has opened it, and it is there. Has anyone ever had that experience before with their... There must be some type of union that I don't know about, uh, people that are, that are doing that. Uh, it, it's just amazing because I know where the least obvious things are, and she happens to know where the most obvious things are. Uh, and it's where that we can't ever seem to get on the same page, but I guess in a marriage, sometimes your strengths and your weaknesses are needed to kind of balance each other out. So uh, that's kind of a good thing. Uh, but we waste so much time looking for stuff in our house and it seems like each other, we actually know where to find the other things that we're, that we're looking for, right? And well, I think this applies to my house and maybe even your household as well. I think if we look a bigger picture, I think this happens to all of us in our lives. That it feels like we spend a significant amount of time looking for things that it seems like everyone else knows exactly where to find it. If you're trying to find a deal on something you need to buy for your house, it always seems like someone else that you've seen on Facebook or a friend has already found that deal, even though you've been looking for a very long time for it. Or if you're looking to an answer for a question that, that you need solved, it seems like everyone else has already found that answer, but you can't seem to find that answer as well. And if you ever tried to do something and it takes way longer than you thought and then someone told you an easier way. This happens to me all the time. I'll be trying to fix something. I'll go about the longest possible way of doing it, and I'll talk to a friend the next day like, oh, you wasted so much time. You could have done that in 20 minutes. Just do this thing. And it's very annoying and very frustrating to me to have that happen because I want to know the easier way to do things instead of having to go through all the difficult ways of finding out information or, or learning things. And as we go into week two of our series called Into the Wilderness, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, another section of the story of the nation of Israel and kind of takes us further into their journey into the book of Exodus and into the wilderness and kind of maybe try to, to pull out what we can and to find out what we can about what this looks like for them and maybe for us about 
finding out information that everyone else seems to know that we need to know to help us out. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 18 is where we're going to be at this morning. We're continuing on in uh, this, uh, this trip through the book of Exodus in our series called Into the Wilderness. And last week for week one, we talked about this idea of the wilderness, right? That God's people were in Egypt and through a series of events, they have left Egypt, and now they're trying to find this land, this new place that, that God is, is sending them to and is taking them to. Uh, and we talked about this idea of the wilderness they're getting ready to go into is kind of represented uh, by a couple of details, that this is uncharted area they've never been before, that this is an unknown situation that they're going to face, all of the, the details and the dynamics and the the to-dos and all the things they're going to have to face, they have no idea what they're, uh, they're about ready to walk into. And not only that, but because it was uncharted and unknown, they were going to have to be leaving what they knew was comfortable. Even though it was being captives and slavery, it was still comfortable to them. And so it was going to be them leaving their comfort zone to find this new place that they were going. And we talk about how all of us walk through the wilderness in some way, shape, or form in our lives. That we go through uh, unknown experiences and uncharted areas and situations that kind of take us out of our comfort zone. So let's pick up in Exodus chapter 18, and we'll start in verse 13 uh, as we read. So it says, it says this, now background, Moses is officially leading the people. Uh, he's... He's in charge of all the things he's relying on God and the people come to him uh, because of who he is and how he has led them. And one day, uh, the father-in-law of Moses decides to visit. And I don't know how your relationship, men uh, in the room, I don't know how your relationship is with your father-in-law, but sometimes it can be a little, uh, a little, a little awkward, maybe a little bit of tension sometimes, uh, but Jethro is his name, and it's Moses' father-in-law, and he comes in to kind of just see what Moses has been doing. So we pick up in verse 13. It says this, The next day Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, What is this thing you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? And Moses replied to his father-in-law, he said, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me. And I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. So we have his father-in-law trying to figure out what's going on and trying to take an interest in, in what his son-in-law is doing. And as he's observing, he says, what is it? What's actually going on here? And Moses tells him, these people come here to me. If they have an argument with each other, if they have a, a way that they're trying to live and they're trying to figure out, does this way honor God, how we're going to live? They all come to me and I just sit here and I listen and I decide this case and I decide this case and I decide this case. And if we're actually talking about real-life things that would seem to be mattering in, in how we perceive success and how we perceive people to be successful, Moses is, I mean, he's the guy at this point in Scripture. He's the guy who's pretty much in charge of all of it. Whenever somebody needs something, they go to him. He's the one that gets to make all the decisions, right? He's the one who has the authority. 
to make those decisions, and he's the one that has the influence over the people because of the way that he's led and the way that he has a connection to God whenever God speaks to him, right? He makes the decisions. What he says goes, and people follow that, and they really don't have a problem following it because of the influence that they have over him. And so when Jethro asks him what's going on, what's happening, why, why does all this happen, he just calmly explains to him, this is just how it is. This is how we do it. And then in verse 17, uh, well, let's read it. What you're doing is not good. <laughs> Thanks, father-in-law. <laughs> what you're doing is not good, Moses' father-in-law said to him. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice and God be with you. You be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. But you should select from all people, able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating dishonest prophets. Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they should judge the people at all times. They can bring uh, you every major case but judge every minor case for themselves. And in this way, you will lighten your load and they will bear it with you. And if you do this and God so directs you, you will be able to endure. And also all these people will be able to go home satisfied. You see, we come to this wilderness moment here where Moses has had this system and kind of structure in place and then the father-in-law walks in and just kind of, for lack of better words, kind of lobs a hand grenade in the middle of all of it and blows the whole thing up. And he says, well, you should try this, right? But this wilderness moment of Moses is not much different than what we typically go through or what we as people today typically experience. I mean, if I may ask you to just kind of take a survey of your life for a second, how many of you would say that at one time or another, or maybe currently, you have worked hard to make sure that you are the one that's in control of the decisions that you get to make. That you are the one that gets to be uh, the final authority and the one that has the influence over people so that people would come to you if they need help. Or how many of you would know what it's like to be in this rhythm and routine that from start of day to finish of day, it seems like you never get a moment to yourself. Or how many of you would be able to look at your own life and say, I can't remember the last time I took a break from this thing that I do on a regular basis. I think this wilderness moment, this scene that we come across here, although only just merely pages in a book and thousands of years between us, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we could find a little bit more than we would like to of ourselves in this situation. That we have gotten ourselves into something and it's maybe everything that we do and it's day to day to day just getting done what needs to be done, taking care of what I need to take care of. It just becomes exhausting. You see, it's when we fall into this moment, when I fall into this moment, it's not long after 
that I fall into this, that I seem to find myself alone in everything that I'm doing, even though I might be surrounded by people. It feels like after I'm the one making all the decisions and I'm the one scheduling everything and, and I'm the one doing the from the start to finish and people might be around me, but it's where that I feel like I find myself being alone when I start to get into this grind that is day after day after day of doing things. I mean, you can even parent with someone, right? You could, you and your spouse could be parenting and you look past and a season has gone by and it feels like you're parenting alone. It feels like you're trying to figure out what's the best way to raise a kid and it feels like just the two of you are trying to figure out all these big problems to make these big decisions and like it just feels like we're making all of these decisions in a vacuum by ourselves even though you're around people who are also raising kids, right? It could even be if you're, uh, if you're a young adult, if you're, if you're just out of college and you're starting your first career, it could feel like even though you feel like you're around a lot of people in the evenings, after a while, it just feels like you're alone all the time. That people are around, but you're alone. And then there are sometimes we get so busy and we get in so many step by step and getting this done and getting this done and getting this done and me making the decision and I'm the only person that gets to influence what happens. It even seems like sometimes we celebrate alone. I remember uh, my mid-20s, I had two birthdays in a row where on my birthday I celebrated by myself. Celebrated alone. I don't know how you can do that. I actually tried it twice, and it wasn't very fun. You can't do that alone, right? And Jethro's words to Moses bring truth to us here in 2024 for us today, and they're up there, right, in verse 17. What you're doing is not good. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. I mean, let's just pause here for a second. In the past year, I'm going to ask you to participate in church here for a second. So just, it's, it's going to be all right, right? Try not, to, try not to freak out. How many of you personally can relate to the idea of what you're doing is not good? You are going to wear yourself out and the other people out too. How many of you feel like you have personally been able to say, I can relate to that? Over the past year, raise your hand. Uh-oh, look around. Don't look at yourself raising your hand. Just look around at everybody else. Right? Because when we ask people, hey, how are you doing? Doing good, keeping busy. What? I asked you how are you doing, not what was your schedule like. But for some reason, that's our default because we've connected some sort of sense of pride and busyness. And that's not really it. When I was in youth ministry, one of the things that people would always ask was like, hey, how's youth ministry? And we'd be like, oh, it's going great. We've got like 85 kids. It's like, I didn't ask you how many people were attending your youth group. I asked you how you're doing as a youth minister and how life is going. But for some reason, we have this output mentality that almost every time forsakes us when we buy into it. Because listen. The words that he speaks here are not just for busyness, but for every area of life that we go to as we go into the wilderness, the areas of unknown, 
and places that we've never been before that are kind of scary to think about going to. And in the moments where it feels like I'm going to have to leave what's comfortable to me to go to this next place, right? What you're doing is not good. You cannot do it alone. Whenever we travel into the wilderness, whether with busyness or any other circumstance, alone is simply not how we were meant to go through anything. Say it again, okay? Alone is not how we were meant to go through anything. But that's what we default to. (laughs) And it's so odd because we could stand up and tell story after story of times when we went through things by ourselves. And then what we went through another time when we had other people with us. Alone is not how we were meant to do anything. It's not how God has desired us as followers of Jesus. And it's not how God has has wired or designed us as a church at South Union, and it is not how God has designed or wired the church in general. All of us, one body, together, alone is not how it was meant to happen. One of, the, uh, one of my favorite things about Sunday mornings is getting to walk through, uh, walk through the aisles and get to talk to people and catch up on how the week has been and get updates on things we talked about previously. And I love getting to hear stories that people share uh, whenever they feel like they're comfortable enough to share stories with me. Um, and just a, a few months ago, I was, I was trying to figure out what's, what's the best way to illustrate this because uh, as my wife would say, uh, that I have a habit of telling stories where I'm the hero and so she says, you have to stop telling those stories. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do that, right? So as I was trying to figure out, how can, how can I, we all know this. We all know this idea of we're not supposed to do stuff alone, right? Especially if you spent any time in church. But what does this actually mean? What does it actually look like for when we go into the wilderness, those areas of I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's next. And I'm completely lost right now in this moment. What does it look like for us to not go into the wilderness alone? Well, I think I have just the perfect story to help us understand what it actually looks like. So if you would, you can go ahead and watch your seats. Hi, I'm TJ Lewis. This is my wife, Kristen. Uh, we are, uh, we've been members at South Union since around 2004. And um, about 10 years ago, um, we had been very vocal uh, to all of our friends uh, and our family that we were done having kids. Long story short, you took a pregnancy test, unbeknownst to me, I don't think I knew that you were feeling that way, and you showed it to me, and it was positive. So we found out that we were uh, pregnant. We had gotten to this point where we were excited and we were, you know, trying to plan for, okay, what does this look like now? You know, we're um, kind of starting over, uh, you know, again at a different point in our lives. And uh, however, um, that was not God's plan for us. Um, and so uh, it was around Halloween of that year. I was actually at work. I was working um, at Edgewood Primary School at the time. I had noticed 
during the day when I went to the restroom um, that I had started spotting and um, was concerned, but uh, also um, as I was Googling on my phone, very common for around 12 weeks for that to happen. So anyways, it was Halloween and um, when I got home from school, um, we were getting ready for the Halloween party at the church. I uh, didn't say anything to anybody about it um, and I didn't want to ruin anybody's Halloween. Things were not improving. Um, and so finally at the end of the night, we were walking out to the car and I finally broke down and said, uh, I think something's wrong. So once we got home, we um, called my doctor um, and you know, he told us it was probably a miscarriage that was happening, but we could go on Saturday morning to, if we wanted to go into the hospital to get an ultrasound. Um, so that's what we did. You know, at the hospital, I don't know, looking back at things now as we're kind of out of all of that, um, lots of little moments um, that I feel like um, God stepping in um, uh, the ultrasound tech that we had, um, she has a son who's the same age as Cora. Um, and um, so it was nice to have a familiar face. She wasn't allowed to tell me the results. I've had a couple of ultrasounds before. I knew that there was no heartbeat. It was in your moment of grief, there's not a lot that anybody can say or do, um, especially when you are just starting to try to process everything. But they definitely, uh, it was just nice to know that, that there was somebody else I could talk to that, was, that had been through what I had been through or what I was going through. We found out really quickly um, that there were a lot more people that we could lean on than we even realized. Um, so. Uh, as I mentioned, we shared very early on to Facebook, so everybody that knew us kind of knew our situation and uh, knew that we were pregnant. We felt like, hey, we were starting to get questions from people like, you know, oh, hey, how's the pregnancy? You know, and so it was like, we need to sort of just tell everybody that we can in, in the broadest way possible, just so we can head off those kind of recurring conversations. I actually had a, a friend that I graduated high school with um, about a month after um, we had posted about our miscarriage um, and she ended up at that point in time, she was going through a miscarriage and so she reached out to me um, because she knew it had been fresh. Um, and um, so we were able to, to chat a lot on, through Facebook. Um, and, you know, I told her my experience and um, how we came to the decision to do what we felt was best for us um, to heal from the miscarriage, um, both emotionally and physically and, and, and whatnot. And um, um, so even though we all process it differently um, and my decision might be different than somebody else's decision, um, it's still really good to talk about those things and to be able to um, just see how, what worked for somebody else. So I think one of the things that we really 
especially in, in hindsight, we mentioned a couple times, is just all the ways that God can place people in our lives and, the, and, and how God can place us in others' uh, lives as well. And so I think it's just being present and being aware of those moments um, so that you can, can be used um, as God might have you, or, uh, you know, or, or let others sort of be a presence in your lives. And in this way, you will lighten your load and they will bear it with you. And if you do this, you will be able to endure. And also, all of these people will be able to go home satisfied. You see, there's the very little mentioned and talked about portion of allowing people in and deciding that you're going to let people be a part of your wilderness moments and your journeys. And then is this, is that there's joy that comes from letting people in. There's joy from allowing to be let in to those situations. That Jethro reminds Moses here that when you let people in and when you allow other people to be a part of what's going on, well, not only does it become easier for you, but it also allows other people to be able to experience satisfaction and joy and it allows other people to be able to use their stories and allows other people to use their experiences and, and what they've gone through to be able to use that and to give that meaning and purpose as well. You still carry all of the burdens, all of the things, and you still experience all the things that happen when we go into the wilderness. The difference is that when you do it in the way that God has designed it, other people are helping. You still have to carry it. You just don't have to carry all of it. You still have to go through it. You just don't have to go through it alone. And that is the beauty. And that is, that is the good news of how God has created everything and the way he structured why we aren't supposed to do things alone. And listen, the idea of us doing things together Allowing people in and, and being connected to each other is, in fact, it's an ancient idea. It's an ancient idea of people being able to do things to, together and letting people in and being connected. But here's, well, here's the problem. We just choose not to do it. I mean, we don't do this anymore. For whatever reason, for whatever justification we've come up with, we don't do it anymore. And, and I jokingly say from stage, it feels like all the time, yeah, but if I let people in, then they would see this. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. But if, but if I let someone walk alongside of me into this wilderness moment, what's gonna happen? I don't know, but you're not gonna have to do it alone. There's going to be someone right beside you, figuring it out along with you. And if I may, and not to sound any kind of aggressive or any kind of a jerk way, but the truth is sometimes we don't want to let people in because we've just decided the thing that we're scared to share or that we don't want anyone to see or the thing that we're afraid of other people knowing is the thing that we've clung on to so tightly that it's now just a part of us and if we let go of that 
I don't know if I would even know who I am anymore. And that's why God has designed it for us to not do it alone. So whatever comes next, you don't have to figure it out by yourself. And listen, if you want to get where you want to go in following Jesus, if you want to know Jesus more, then you have to let people in. And if we're going to get where we're going as a church, as a group of people, as a body of believers here at South Union, then where we want to go as a church, we have to be together in doing things. On Wednesday nights over the past five or ten years, it used to be we used to fill this room with people that would get together to study the Bible and have dinner together. And over time, it has dwindled down to maybe 10 or 12 people that do it. It's because, for whatever reason, we've decided I just don't want to do things together. I don't find any value in doing things together. Or maybe, for being honest, this and 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 this. This is all taking up my time. So I don't have time for this to do this together. Some of, some of our like most common frustrations we have in following Jesus in our faith are ones that we could know and solve if we would just be connected to other people because of the experiences and the wisdom that is gained from being with other people. I mean, so Wednesday nights here in the next few weeks are, we're going to start these back up and I cannot over-communicate to you the importance, the significance, and the value of what we're trying to do as a church and why you need to be a part of these things together. If your parents, if you have kiddos, and you're like, I have figured out everything there is to know about parenting. We're looking for teachers because we're getting parents together and we're gonna have discussion parents to parents because none of us have it figured out by ourselves, but we got a real good shot of figuring it out together. So on Wednesday nights, we're getting parents together so we can have some conversation about what parenting looks like, how do we do it, how do we do it so that our kids know who Jesus is, why do I wanna strangle my children? I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to say that. All of the conversations you're having in your head, other parents are too. We're just trying to get you in the same room together, together, together to figure some things out. Right? And then uh, we're going to have space for children to be able to come and for, for students and for, for them, the next generation, to be able to come and connect with each other. And then if you're like, I'm not a parent or I don't know if I'm in on the parent thing, but I would like to figure out maybe another step in, in growing my faith and knowing about my faith in Jesus. We've got two different options for, uh, for you to come and be a part of the, a visual journey through your faith and a Bible study through the book of Acts. things alone supposed to do things together it is not good what you're doing you cannot do it alone so it's my hope and my prayer that for those of you that call South Union home that you would be a part of it I mean 
we know how important this is. We've got conversations with kids so you can have conversations when you're driving with them and before bedtime, right? And we've got these uh, mealtime conversation cards that you'll get every week so that you can figure out how to have conversations with your kids around the table, right? I mean, we have the best children's minister that I've ever worked with. And she cares about your families. We care about your families as a church. We want for us to figure out how to do all the most important things in following Jesus and doing life together. I'll close with this final thing. And best, best example by what TJ and Kristen were talking with us about. As we go into the wilderness, as you're trying to navigate all these things, the weight that you carry, the problems that need solved, and the joy that you experience isn't meant for just you. Let me say it again. Maybe if I say it again, someone will believe it, right? The weight you carry, the problems you need solved, and the joy you experience isn't meant for just you. when we get together to take communion and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and we give our tithes and offerings in the giving box and we open up the altar for prayer and you can pray with anybody in the room that you'd like to pray with and when we sing songs together we do it together because the weight that you carry the problems you need solved and the joy that you experience are not, not meant just for you what a better representation can't find it than in the cross and when Jesus decides that the problems we're going to have to figure out and the burdens that we're going to carry and the joy that we're going to experience, he wanted to make sure all of that was available to us. And so he did when he laid down his life for us. And because of him and who he is and what he did, we have a reason for hope. So this morning as we come together to, to pray and to take communion and to respond, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you in ways that you might be able to say, I've been doing this alone, but it's not been good. How can I find a way to bring someone else into this? How can I find someone else to be a part of this journey into the wilderness that I take before we go? So God, that's it. We come to you wanting to know how we might be able to follow you just a little bit closer when we walked in here this morning. sit here in this room and if we together listen online we just simply say thank you that you've designed us to where we don't have to do it alone and I pray for, for each one for my brothers and sisters in front of me here for, for myself that we would be reminded that we don't walk alone because it's just another symbol and another sign of your goodness and faithfulness that you are along with us every step of the way, that you are merely just a whisper away from us to hearing us when we pray. So we give you the next few moments in response to your goodness and your faithfulness. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray.